But anyway, what I want to talk about today is, it's, it's, I have just written out here the law of God and above it, or right in the middle of the page, I'll explain this for the tape program, the CD program. Right in the middle is the word law. Above it, it says higher level. Below the law, it says lower level. And I'm going to be talking about the ability, hopefully, to keep the law of God at a higher level. I think many Christians in the world today can keep the lower level of the law, or at least they, they, they would... They, well, I, yeah, actually, I, I believe they can keep the lower level. In other words, they can say, well, look, I've never killed anybody. That's true. I've never killed anybody. <laughs> I've never cheated on my wife. No, never have. Uh, I don't have any idols in my home that I worship. No statues of Buddha or anything like that. You know, uh, I've never walked over to my neighbor's house and taken something that wasn't mine. I acknowledge God every Sunday for 45 minutes at church. So in a way, I'm, I'm keeping the Sabbath. In other words, the lower level of the law is on such an elementary level that nearly any professing Christian can do that, can keep that level of the law. And Greg mentioned something that I wrote down. He said that as a nation, a lot of people, we don't even look at our nation as bad. And that may be one of the reasons why. is because in people's minds, I am keeping the lower level of the law. I'm fulfilling that. I am doing that. I'm not out doing all these things, these bad things. And so, okay, I've never killed anybody. But there's all kinds of people, let's say, I don't like and hate. And I show them I don't like them. I tell them, you know, maybe I don't tell them, but I, I, I show them I don't like them. What is that? That's a lower level Christian. It's a lower level Christian. It's a Christian living at the lower level. Um, I've never cheated on my wife. And so you may have a father who could say, I've never cheated on my wife. And yet, if he has a son, he may teach his son, well, boy, you need to go out and sow your wild oats or seeds, and you need to experiment, you know, and you, you need to check out all these young girls. And he may actually encourage his son to be involved in a promiscuous, you know, checking out girls and like that. And yet, he's, in, he's singing in the choir. He goes to church. He hasn't cheated on his wife, but he teaches something that would be totally contrary to God's will. I don't have any idols in my house, but I don't mind going to a concert and idolizing the singer. And, and I tell you, how you know when you have an idol, here's, here's how you know, an idol can do no wrong. That's how you know when you've got an idol. He can do no wrong. And so if I see someone defending a movie star, a singer, and standing up for him, I pretty much know you got an idol. Because one, you don't know the person. All you know is those nasty little tabloids that you read walking out of the grocery store and what they say about it. But you don't know the individual. And so if you're defending a person that you don't even know, standing up for that person, you've got an idol that you're worshiping. Because idols can do no wrong. They can never do any wrong. I've never stolen anything, but... You know, I see nothing wrong with, if I'm, if I'm checking out at Lowe's and I've got two expensive uh, caps that I'm buying, I don't know what kind of, some type of, I don't know, a bad example here, but I'm buying two expensive caps, and the lady only charges me for one. Well, that was her 
ignorance. You know, I didn't see nothing wrong with just taking it because it was her fault. But I'm not actually taking things, stealing from my neighbor, you see. I recently on Facebook, I different Facebook pages I manage, but I, I put a question, do you think it's possible to choose the wrong church? Because what I see is two people are too quick in choosing a church to jump in bed, you know, and what they end up doing is jumping in bed with the harlot church found in Revelation 17 and fornicating. But hey, there's a good church. Man, look how big it is. Look at that big tent church. I'll go there. And they're too quick to jump in bed into a church, and they end up with, at the wrong church. And so I put this question, do you think it's possible to choose the wrong church? And most people answer, yes, I think it's possible. But one person wrote and said, didn't even answer the question, just said, I love my church, so authentically seeking God in truth and righteousness. And I'm thinking, I bet. <laughs> You know, so I don't, you know, I love going to church as long as it's over with in 45 minutes and I can get back and mow my yard. I love going to church as long as it, you know, that's, that's what it is to it. Now, our struggle, okay, we're talking about the lower level, the higher level. Our struggle is on a different plane. Therefore, if the Spirit of God is in us, our struggle takes place on this higher plane of what goes on between the ears. What you, uh, it's, it's here, this is where the real struggle starts. What you think about. The way that you think. Your thoughts. Romans 8 and verse 9. I'm going to look at that verse. Romans 8 and verse 9. But you are not in the flesh, lower level. But in the spirit, higher level. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now you might say, well that's a big if. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. Now, for the lower level Christian, the battle is not about the thought processes. It's really not. It's, it, you know, let me give you an example. I told this example before, but, but for a lower, lower level Christian, it's really not that much about what's going on in, between the ears, what I think about. I'll allow myself to think about anything. Uh, I told a story about a friend of mine who, he's a minister, and he went with two other friends who claimed to be Christians to an outing at Myrtle Beach to play golf. And, and the other two guys he went with were so-called Christians, and they got on the road, and the other two said, we got to go to a, one of these topless bars at the beach. And they were just, they, they had to go there. And, of course, they asked my friend, did he want to go? And he said, no, I'm not going to a topless bar. He, now he's a real Christian, by the way. But the other two, you know, and, and my question is, how do they justify this? How, how does a Christian justify this? Well, from their perspective, they're not cheating on, they're not committing adultery on their wife. They're, they were both married, by the way. But they're not committing adultery. And there's nothing wrong with just looking. And that's how they justify it. In other words, they haven't broke the lower level of the law. And so they're okay. That's how they justify it. I haven't actually, I'm not committing adultery on my wife by being at this topless bar. Well, actually, they are. They just don't know it. But that's how, they, that's, how we, that's how people justify that, the lower level. There's a lot of lower level Christians who are keeping, you know, the law on that lower level. Now for us, God is creating, get this, a spirit mind in us that will be ready for the spiritual body that awaits at our resurrection or change at the last trump. Think about that. Through conversion, God right now is creating a spirit mind in you. And that's the mind 
that's going to be given your new spiritual body at the resurrection. But you're developing that right now that will go with that new body. Fascinating. How does it happen? Well, it happens through a calling from God. It happens through accept, you know, repentance of sin, breaking of God's... You know, sin is the breaking of God's law. It, it occurs through unconditional surrender, accepting Christ as your personal Savior, baptism, laying on of hands for the receiving of the Holy Spirit of God. That's how the process begins, this new creature in Christ. All right, Ephesians 4 and verse 22. Ephesians 4 and verse 22. And we're talking about a spirit mind, a spiritual mind that God is creating right now. Ephesians 4 and verse 22 says that you put off concerning the former conversation or behavior, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is, a, which is corrupted according to the deceitfulness of lust. How is the old man corrupted? The deceitfulness of lust. That's how it gets corrupted. Lust is very deceitful. It's trickery. It tricks you. It, it causes you to think, well, I can get away with it. I could do this. This is not that bad. But it's just one step further down, you know, in the wrong area. The deceitfulness of lust. Deceitful lust. Okay. But be and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Now, there's, look at that statement. We are to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. God is creating a spirit mind in us. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. There's something called true holiness. What is true holiness? It is a higher level of obedience. We're going to talk about what that is in a little bit. A higher level of obedience. Philippians 3 and verse 21 Again, we're talking about this mind that God is creating right now at a higher level. What goes on between your ears, what you think about, what you allow in your minds. You know, someone said there's a monster inside of all of us. And all you got to do is feed it the wrong kind of stuff. Now, we have to keep that in mind. Okay, what do I allow my mind to feed on? Philippians 3 and verse 21. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. Now again, the spirit mind is being created right now for that spiritual glorious body that you're going to receive at the resurrection or the return of Christ. If you're still alive, you'll be changed immediately, instantly. Now, one of the things, I need to just touch on this. One of the things that I see, obviously there's nothing more critical than having the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. On my program, what I have offered more than any other publication is why you need the Spirit of God and should you be baptized. I often direct a lot of my programs to those two booklets that are right back there. And I'm a little bit amazed at, not that people have not ordered that, but they haven't ordered it enough as much as I offer it. Because I'm always offering that. And I've often wondered, why? I mean, this is the most critical issue out there is to have the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you. Why don't more people order this? And I think I have an answer now. There is a teaching out there called the Trinity. And the Trinity says something like this. There is God, there's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so I think in a lot of people's minds, it goes something like this. Well, 
I raised my hand and invited Jesus into my heart. And if God is a trinity, I have Father, Son, Holy Spirit inside of me. Just because I did this. Now, nothing could be further from the truth. There is a way to receive the Spirit. First of all, God is not a trinity. But there is a way to receive the power. It is a gift. It has to be given to you. And there are conditions for receiving that gift. Just because you believe in, a person believes, oh, I believe in the Trinity, does not mean you have the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit of God. And I begin to realize, man, what a powerful deception to keep people from truly receiving the power of God's Spirit. I'm walking around, I'm, look, I believe in the Trinity, I have it. Man, it's scary to think about. So maybe I answered the question as to why so few actually order that publication. Why you need the Holy Spirit of God. Well, don't have to worry, I already got it. Without the Spirit of God inside of you, all you can accomplish is this right here. Lower level obedience. Now I want to, us to understand this better. Let's turn to Romans 8 and verse 4. I'll give you some examples here. Romans 8 and verse 4. Look, contrasting the two, lower level and higher level Christians or obedience, however you want to look at that. Romans 8 and verse 4, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, lower level, but after the spirit, higher level. Okay. Many people have been able to eliminate much of the coarse lust of the flesh and refine the, na the natural mind you know, and, and basically they consider themselves to have done well if at the end of the day they have succeeded at, lower, at the lower level of the law. In other words, I'm doing pretty good. I, I have succeeded at the lower level of the law. I haven't killed anybody. I haven't cheated on my you know, I'm doing pretty good is sort of the concept. I must be a Christian because I'm, I'm doing this, the lower level of the law. Notice this example, this contrast here, 1 John 3 and verse 15. Here the contrast is made between lower level, higher level of the law. 1 John 3 and verse 15. 1 John 3 and verse 15. 15 says, Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer. Wait a minute. I thought I had to kill him. Uh, no. <laughs> no. Here's the contrast between, this is talking about the higher level of the law of God. If you hate, you know, your brother, you are a murderer. And you know that no murderers have eternal life abiding in him. So again, the contrast is made between lower level, higher level obedience. Let's take a look at Luke 17 and verse 10. I've got a lot of scriptures here, but that's good. Luke 17 and verse 10. Notice a couple statements that Jesus made can be a little bit disturbing. I mean, when you think about what he's actually saying. Luke 17 and verse 10, Jesus says, So likewise you... When you shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. Now, question, how do you become profitable? In other words, after you have done all command, I've commanded you, lower level, you're unprofitable. You, know, you say, okay, how, how can I become profitable with the law of God? That's what we're going to talk about. That's what we're going to talk about. Churches are full of people 
who are doing their dead level best at lower level obedience. And they're doing a pretty good job at it. Matthew 5 and verse 20. This is a fascinating statement here. One that ought to make us think. Matthew 5 and verse 20. We've just read that, you know, after you've done all, you know, you're keeping my law, you're keeping the Ten Commandments, all the things that I've commanded you, say we are unprofitable servants, we've just done our duty. Now, Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 20, For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. You know, that statement right there ought to make us think. We ought to be like, maybe like Gandalf, you know, rubbing his beard and smoking his big old hobbit pipe and gazing up into heaven and saying, no, wait a minute. My righteousness has got to exceed that of the scribes and Pharisees. Now, what, is he, what do you think that means? Now, let, let's, I've talked about this before and I'll talk about it again right now. But um, let's say that the Pharisees had with their oral, oral law the tradition of the elders. Let's say they, you know, they, they, built, they built fences around the law of God. Okay? Let's say they had a thousand additional laws that went, went along with the Ten Commandments. Because they built fences around each one of the Ten Commandments. Let's say they had a thousand. All right? In order for us to exceed that, does that mean we've got to have two thousand? If we get to two thousand, then we, will have, we, we can make it into God's kingdom. Right? Wrong. Now, I'll explain it. <clears throat> Listen to me. If I could grant you the power to live three lifetimes over, you will ne- never achieve the lower level obedience that these Pharisees achieved when it comes to their, their keeping of the law. You'll never measure up to it. Don't, don't, even, go, don't even try it because you'll never measure up to it. You'll never achieve that. If I could grant you three lifetimes... Because they were, they, I, I think they were sincere. They wanted to protect themselves. They, they said, I don't even want to get this close to breaking God's law. I want, I, I, you know, and so they developed ideas and concepts that kept them from even getting close to breaking the law of God. They built fences. They wanted to protect themselves. And they had, you know, what was referred to as the oral law. Um, why does your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? They built fences around the Ten Commandments. Now, now the biggest, the easiest example of what that looked like was with the Sabbath because Jesus touched on that again and again, what those laws looked like. They had laws like, you know, you can't carry your bed on the Sabbath. The guy pulled it so long, you know, he healed him. Don't, it's not lawful for you to carry your bed. Now, his bed was not a four-post solid oak canopy bed that you had to haul away in a U-Haul truck. It was a mat that he rolled underneath his arm and walked away. Okay? You can't harvest on the Sabbath. So you're walking through a field of corn and you do like, like that and you pop some kernels in your mouth. That, they're harvesting. That's wrong. You can't do that. You can't heal on the Sabbath. All right. So, but they're wanting to protect themselves. They want to be safe. I want to make sure I get this right. right. I don't even want to come close to breaking the Sabbath. And this is just one commandment. They built this around all of the Ten Commandments. Fences. Now, I'm going to try to handle this as gently as I can. But this has to be said, and it's one of the reasons I want to to give this message. Um, It needs to go out to the program. But a lot of times what I see, what what I've seen in a church for a long time, 
are what I would call modern-day Pharisees. Modern-day Pharisees. Obsessed with this right here. Lower level. Obsessed, you know. And I see it all the time. It's like, let's, so what can I do? What can I do? Let's identify everything that's pagan in our society and stay away from it. And it's an obsession. Let's, let's find out. Okay, Valentine, it's pagan. Look, I know Valentine's pagan. That little naked baby, you know, shooting the arrows, all that stuff. I know it's pagan. But listen, love is not pagan. Love is not pagan. So if a, if a man wants to buy his wife a, a box of chocolate, you know, whatever. <laughs> I, you know, I don't see a card that says, I love you. I don't, you know, I really don't see, because love is not pagan. Buy her a box of chocolate, whatever, so she can gain some weight or whatever. <laughs> Does this dress make me look fat? No, it's your fat that makes you look fat. <laughs> uh, I got that from Glenn Beck. <laughs> um, but let's, let's find out everything that's pagan. You know, let's, Christmas is pagan. I know Christmas is pagan. But the birth of Jesus is not pagan. Easter is pagan. I understand that. But the resurrection is not pagan. Sunday worship. You know, I, this is my opinion, but I just don't think God gets all in a big huff because people have a 45-minute worship service on Sunday. I don't think he would, whether it's Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, I don't think he would even, so what? They're having a 45-minute worship service. What he gets upset at is that we are a Sabbath-breaking culture that defies his Sabbath. The Saturday, Sabbath is the most busiest day out there. It's when everybody, that upsets God. But the fact that someone wants to worship on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, okay, they're, they're, they're having a 45-minute worship service. Big deal. So sometimes with this obsession with lower level, it's never-ending. At the end of your life, you'll, you'll die in your frustrations because you'll never be able to, Identify everything that's... Let, let's, let's take our entertainment. Let's, let's, let's figure out everything that's wrong with our entertainment. What kind of music should I be listening to? You know, what, what should I do? What should I wear? What should I dress? You know, let's just identify everything that's, that's wrong about our entertainment. And let's, let's, you know... I remember a couple we took to the feast one year, and we thought they'd like it. And... Uh, <laughs> And, and we got, uh, it was a fun, fun show, dance, maybe it was a dance. And they started complaining, well, we, you're playing that kind of music, why are you playing that kind of music, and why, why are the girls dressed like that, and why this, and why that, and I thought, I mean, I, you know, it's like they found everything wrong with, with the feast. Let's, define, let's identify every conspiracy theory, and what's wrong with the world. Let's get all our doctrines right. There's another one. Let's, let's get all of our doctrines right. Let's, let's figure out the right way to say God's name. Right way to dress. Right, or right way to shave. Whatever. Let's figure out the Sabbath. Do you know what I have heard concerning the Sabbath? I've heard 12-hour Sabbaths. I've heard lunar Sabbaths. Those fluctuate, by the way. It might be Monday. It might be Wednesday. It could be any day. I've heard... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's just, it just goes on and on and on and on. You know, I, recently on Facebook, I saw I, someone, it was a group entitled, and I'm not making fun of this. If this is your conviction, you ought to live it. Don't let me try to persuade you of your conviction. But, but they identif- this Facebook group identified, they called themselves Sabbath keepers that don't eat out on the Sabbath. Now, if that's your conviction, you need to live it. But 
I wouldn't promote it like that. I guess that's what I'm saying. Because the reason I say that is because it, separate, it, it separates you from your brothers. more. Just live your convictions. You don't have to promote it, though. But often we just separate ourselves from more and more people. And, you know, the meaning of Pharisee is separatist. That's, that's the meaning of the word. They separate. And, you, and you, can, you can get on this lower level to the point to where you come to a point where you think, I am the only one that believes like this. And I'm evidently the only one that's going to be saved. You know? <laughs> I mean, you can come to that point. Romans 10 and verse 2. And, and I'm, I'm reading you this because I see this occurring today. Often in God's church. This is written many years ago. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. You know, someone asked the question, why do, why do so many Jews not believe in Jesus Christ? Probably the same reason today as they didn't back then. They're going about to establish their own righteousness. And they're ignorant of God's righteousness. Well, what is God's righteousness? That's what I want to talk about. What is this higher level of the law? What is this higher level? And you know, sometimes the deception is this. If you can accomplish this lower level righteousness as the Pharisees did, why do you need Christ? Why do you need Christ? What do you need Jesus for? For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Now listen, I don't want anyone to miss the kingdom of God. I really don't. But I realize what Jesus said about these people, that they're not going to be there. Matthew 5 and verse 20. All right, what is this higher level? Let's take a look at it. In fact, if you're at Matthew 5 and verse 20, next verse, Jesus explains what this higher level is all about, of obedience that we're supposed to work toward. He says, You have heard it said of them of old time, You shall not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. But, but I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother Raka shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, you fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. Who do you hate? Who do you not like? You know, and if you think about, okay, who do I hate? Who do I not like? Is that, is that a higher level? No, that's a lower level right there. How are we doing when it comes to this area? Living on a higher level of obedience. Where this new mind... You know, you take this new mind and you say, look, okay, I'm not, I've got to treat this person with respect. I have to treat my enemy with, with, with respect. I can't hate him. I can't despise him. I'm not supposed to despise anybody. I have to treat him with respect. How are we doing in this area? On this higher level that I'm talking about. Matthew 5 and verse 27. You've heard it said of them of old time, you shall not commit adultery. But I say unto you that whosoever looks on a woman to lust after her has committed adultery already in his heart. Men, how are we doing living, at our, living our lives at the higher level? How are we doing in this area? Could you even call it a higher level that we're living? 
Have we reached that? Have we, you know, our minds, what do we think about? Are we, are we passing the test in this area? How can this, now this is the question, how can this not concern us? And yet things like lunar Sabbaths, pronunciating God's name, how do those things, why are those such big issues? And yet what, what's going on in the mind is not an issue. Why do people get hung up on these things? Matthew 5 and verse 31. It has been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you that whosoever shall put away his wife's saving for the cause of fornication causes her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced commits adultery. Did you know that 50% of Christians end up getting a divorce? How are we doing at this, on the, at this higher level on the issue of divorce? It's, it's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. You know, well, I'm, I'm, I'm upset at my wife. I'm thinking about getting a divorce. But I would love to know if a fly lands in holy water, is the fly sanctified or is the water polluted? That is important. But the fact that I'm getting divorced is no big deal. Except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. You're not going to be in the kingdom of heaven. You know, Jesus talked about when asked about this subject, he said, because of the hardness of your heart, Moses allowed you to get a divorce, a writing of divorcement. And I, I gave a message one time entitled Marriage Dynamics, where I talked about God puts people together, male and female, to reveal your blind side, <laughs> deliberately. That there's only one person that can see you. You have a blind side. And you can't, because you're male, you can't see your blind side. Because you're female, you can't see your blind side. And it takes a member of the opposite sex to show you your blind side. That's why gay marriages, you know, that's, that's, two men can't show each other their blind side. All they're going to do is just, you know, two women can't see each other's blind side. In other words, the marriage institution is about creating godly character. Now, I know, I, I put that ahead of other issues. A lot of people look at the institution of marriage. Well, it's a cure for loneliness. Well, it's a cure for repopulate, bring children into the world. Let me tell you the number one part about marriage. It is building godly character. The two shall become one. That, you know, that means whole, complete. And uh, Jesus said, I and my Father are one. There's a wholeness, there's a completeness that we achieve through this marital relationship. You know, I, my wife, you know, I, sometimes uh, she'll say, she edits my program, and she said, David, you shouldn't have said that. You know, she's listening to my program because she edits the program. And, and when she says that, I listen to her. I don't always agree, but when she speaks, you know, you ever heard the expression, the better half of you? What does that mean? <laughs> it means you've got a blind side, and you can't see that blind side about you. Again, I think the marriage institution is more about building godly character as far as God's original intent of it. It's just that that process of doing that can be difficult to stay in those relationships. The difference between a lower level Christian and a higher level, I'm going to talk about that and then I'll close. Often, and this is, I get this from experience, often lower level Christians often get upset when you don't see their viewpoint. You know, it's like, well, I can't, say, I can't believe you don't agree with this is the right way to do this or that. You know, they, they get upset. And, you know, if you're always pointing out other people's mistakes, maybe that, I don't know if that describes you or not. 
often that's a telltale sign of a person living at that lower level. Now, why would I say that? The reason I say that is this. The higher level, what goes on between your ears, is all about you. It has nothing to do with anybody else. It's not about, you don't need to worry about other people. It, you are the instrument that God is trying to convert. Higher level, you know, it, it's, it's, it's what's going on in your mind. It's your thought process. It's, it's your, you're the creature that God is creating after his image. It's really not about others. It's about you. And another thing I want you to think about. Every one of the Ten Commandments, there is a higher level way to keep it. There's a higher level to keeping the Sabbath than meets the eye. You know, if you're coming to church and you're, you're, you feel worse after you come to services than you did before you got here, you probably need to consider there's a higher level to keeping the Sabbath. <laughs> I've heard those stories before. You know, Ron Dart mentioned that one time about people that said, oh, I feel worse after I leave church. <laughs> but uh, it can happen. It can happen. It can happen. What, let's, let's look at this. Okay, with each one of the commandments, what is the higher level? What is the higher level of the seventh commandment? We touched on that. You know, what's the higher level of each one of these commandments? The way I'm supposed to be thinking. So I want to conclude with a question. Do you have the Holy Spirit? Have you gone through these, these steps that I talked about? Unconditional surrender, accepting Christ as your personal Savior, baptism, laying on of hands, receiving the Spirit of God. And like I said earlier, you know, the Trinity is a doctrine that allows a person to assume because I believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, I must already have the Spirit of God. And nothing could be further from the truth. The Spirit of God is a gift that one receives through a series of, a series of, of, of conditions. Of, there are conditions that you have to, before God gives you His Holy Spirit. The fruit of having the Spirit of God is the ability to reach the higher ground. That's the fruit of having the Spirit of God. The ability to reach the higher ground. Not obsessing on just the lower level. And I have wondered many times when I see this occurring, this obsession with the lower level, if it's not a way that we compensate. When one area is lacking, Maybe something big is lacking up here. Maybe I can't control what's going on in my mind. Maybe I got a problem with whatever. And so I just compensate with this lower level. One area is lacking, overachieving in another area to make up for the void. I've often questioned that. We're talking about the conversion of the mind. That spirit mind, and if you think about this concept, it is a powerful concept, that we are developing through God's Spirit, through God's grace, by the power of God's Spirit in you, we are developing that mind, that higher ground, that higher level, that mind that goes into that new body which will be given to you at the resurrection. So let's focus on what's really important.